0: What is it about October? The Ghouls come out to play again as Manchester United are beaten 6-3 in the derby. In 2020, it was 6-1 to Tottenham. In 2021, 5-0 to Liverpool. And this year, in 2022, this. Can we skip it this time next year, please? In the end, three second half goals, a stunner from Anthony and a double off the bench from Anthony Martial reduced the humiliation of this particular Etihad trip, but only a little. Nevertheless, a very warm welcome to the Manchester United weekly podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate, always, thank you for joining us. Today we'll review that match, analysing where Ten Hag got it wrong in how United set up, but also how the players let themselves and the club down. Again, we've heard that one uh, before a few times over the over recent months. Later in the show, it's a tale of six ones for the under-18s and under-21s against Blackburn. One win and one loss for them. And a draw in the Conti Cup for the women. Jack, let's dive in and, and let's use one of our patron questions. Marek Garbowski says, how would you explain such a vast difference between the first team performances over the last month against the Derby humiliation. He says it's the same players, but such a different performance or rather lack of it. Is it a psychological issue or simply not a right mix of players creating this United team? My immediate answer, and I'll let you go, go first overall on this, but I think you, you can't separate the tactical and the mental here. And I think we spoke about before the game how important, how our tactics are very important in this game, but ultimately it comes down to the mental side of it a lot about how you start, how you concentrate, uh, in attack as well as defense. And I think the, the mental side of things superseded the tactical in this game as it normally does in big matches. Yeah.
1: I think in these kind of big matches, the tactical side of things comes more and more into the game if the game remains level or close to level on the score sheet after sort of 20 or 30 minutes especially the beginning mm-hmm. of of every game tactics aren't as important as just the way mentally you approach the game and i think to be fair going into the game that was actually probably the one thing that i wasn't too worried about from this united team actually from the way that we reacted you look especially from the liverpool game the arsenal game even like Southampton and Leicester, I think this specific eleven, and it's been pretty much that same eleven for the last four or five games, yeah. have proven themselves to be quite good in the way that they approach these games and at, at being relatively mentally strong and having the right intensity when they when they come into especially big moments and games. And you could tell right from the first minute. Forget forget the scoreline for a second, but right from the first minute, we we just weren't at the races. You could tell we were so so passive. In defence, and that's again something that has, has sort of gone out of our game a little bit in a positive way in the last four or five games since the the win against Liverpool. We've been so much more proactive in defence, yeah. not necessarily pressing really high up the pitch all the time, but whenever we have been able to engage with an opposition when they're on the ball, we've been much more proactive. And I mean, we City were playing around us as if we weren't there, and and I yeah. understand that City are a very good team and they they <laughs> can do that at times, but there is a there's a way that you go into a derby any game, but especially a derby. And you, you cannot you cannot have a start as bad as we did. And it set the tone for the whole game.
0: And we actually spoke about this in at the very end of, of our last episode, previewing this, saying that how many times have we gone to the Etihad or Anfield or wherever in big matches and had these poor starts. And um, I mean, even if we're thinking back to our previous Etihad trip before this one under Ralph Rannick, there were actually, I remember talking after we lost 4-1, it was a really bad second half, but the first half was okay. Randick tried a... a Slightly dodgy Bruno as a false nine thing, which actually the first half kind of worked, but we conceded in I can't remember exactly how many, but the opening five or ten minutes, and it just laid the foundations for a big city win, and that's that's what happened this time, and seemed to be what Ten Hag was focusing on post match. Well, Well, the two
1: other really heavy October defeats you mentioned as well. We yeah. conceded really early to Liverpool last season and then the Spurs game the season before, we went ahead very early then, but yeah, conceded yeah. after the equaliser and five minutes later. Yeah,
0: you can't concede early against City because the key to beating City is is a couple of things but primarily you want to score the first goal and that's what United have done in the past when we've won at the Etihad and Old Trafford against this really, really good City team. And I think we don't even need to make that as a caveat because everyone's aware that this City team are outrageous, outrageous players and probably the best team in the world at the moment. But post-match Ten Hag focused on on the lack of belief. And I think the lack of belief and, and concentration was shown in, in so many different examples, whether it was. In or out possession or, or defense or attack in, in not following city's runners, which is always uh, our downfall against city in decision making on the ball in. The lack of concentration to concede early, the lack of concentration in terms of our set piece marking, a, a totally botched press where people wouldn't follow the the trigger or you wouldn't follow a teammate or they didn't cover for a teammate or poor touches on the counter-attack from Sancho Rashford and, and various others from uh, bottling professional fouls. And all of these things, they're not all about concentration, they're not all about belief, but together they speak to a a lack of, one of these things and I'm not going to say which because we can't say without being in the dressing room and knowing but either a lack of focus a lack of belief in the game plan or a lack of belief and trust in your teammates and I think we know that because A. Ten Hag said it after but also because we know it's not about quality despite how good City are we know this United team worse United teams have gone to City when they're this good and beaten them this was about, uh, about a ment- mental thing and we can move on to Ten Hag's tactical mistakes very shortly, but I think it's worth getting this out the way first.
1: This is going to sound ridiculous, considering we just lost six three. What annoys me most in this game, especially a day later, actually isn't the scoreline because I feel like there there is a world in which we could have played well against City and they'd still score six goals because they are that good at times. But it was even before the scoreline got out of hand. I was I was angry even at one nil after yeah. twenty minutes because. Even with that, we, we just weren't playing any part in the game. You could tell that we did not have, we've, we've praised a lot of the players in this, in this team, like Martinez, Malassia, even McTominay, you know, that since the first couple of games of the season, our intensity, our tempo has been really, really good in games. We've shown up and even when we haven't played at our best, which has definitely been the case, especially if you look at like the Leicester and Southampton games where we really kind of ground out those results, we didn't play at our best. But the one thing you had, you could say about that team is that. We were on it pretty much the whole game. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a big change from what we've seen from United, not only at the start of this season, but also going back to the last couple of seasons is that we, we weren't this team that can cut sort of drift through games. We weren't being as passive. We were properly engaged all the time. And then to see us come out and against city of all teams and just be. We, I don't, I don't even know what we look completely just off it in so many ways, and I, I I can't put my finger on why that would be. I know you could say we've had a month off, you know, not playing in the Premier League, but I mean, every team just had a two-week international break. It's been we've obviously had more disruption than most teams, but every team has had a disrupted last month or so, and and to some degree, you could say it should make you hungrier because as you know, even just. Obviously, we're all fans, we're not players, so it's very different. But even just think of, of everyone listening to this podcast, how you felt as a fan going into that game. You were probably more excited for this game than you would have been had United had a normal schedule in, in the lead-up to it. The fact we hadn't played in so long made you hungrier for this win. That's exactly what the effect should have been on the players. And for us to come out and just be so flat is, is, is baffling.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think going, going back to your point a couple of minutes ago, the... It, it is the fact that if if we'd lost to Harland's outrageous finishing, then that's okay. You can the key to stopping Ireland. We spoke about this in the preview. Is you can't really stop him, and and he said that in an interview with Gary Neville pre match as well. He knows he's unstoppable if he times his run correctly. That's fine. He's outrageous. He's he's hardly a believable player. But we lost not just because of his greatness, but because of our errors and weaknesses. And we know that City can be got at. And Guardiola even criticised his team post-match because they played some sloppy passes. They were drawn in by some good bits of play from the forwards at times. They missed some chances. So had United played well, we still would have been fortunate and unlikely to win, but we could have made it an even game determined only by Haaland's good finishing. And, and instead, we we didn't see the, that. I
1: think at the very least, like I think the, the way I thought sort of think about this when you play against a team as good as Man City are at the moment, is that they're probably going to create very good chances. They're probably going to score a decent amount of goals. The one thing you can do as a defence in particular, you, you just got to make it as, as difficult as possible. Yeah. And if they beat you, fair enough. But we made it so, so, so easy for Man City the entire game. And that's, I think, where, where it becomes so frustrating because I, I didn't feel like they had to work particularly hard to be 4-0 up at time.
0: Yeah, and they, they haven't had to work particularly hard to beat us for a couple of years now. My prediction pretty much was... City to win 3-1 but United play well the truth is does it does it matter that much in the grand scheme of things probably not is this a is this actually a, a helpful crash back down to earth for the players as much as the fans
1: I mean it's hard I think being this close to the game still it's hard to call this helpful I think we'll, <laughs> we'll in a couple of weeks I think we could look back on it like that maybe in the sense that it sort of stopped us from getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I don't think there is a whole lot to be taken out of this game from, from either, either good or a bad sense, because Man City are an extremely good team and you and because this performance was so was so anomalous given what we've seen in the last two months or so from this United team. This yeah, but then so it's so different. It's not
0: anomalous seen. at all in the context of the last few years. These players no, consistently don't show up in these games.
1: No, of course, but we've we've shown that we, we were progressing away from that. So I think what you've got to hope is that we will continue that and that this game is something that will sort of slip by the wayside. You're right in that it, it isn't helpful if, like basically what I think what I'm trying to say is there are sort of two possible responses to a performance like this, I think, from a team. One is that you sort of go in your shell, go into your shell and you slide backwards into some of those bad performances that have been similar to this sort of over the last couple of years, which is exactly what you're saying, that this isn't the first time we've seen this. I think the other direction that you can sort of go in reacting to it is understanding how bad this is and you react to it by making sure it doesn't happen again. And then in a couple of weeks, I think we'll turn around and say, well, yeah. it, it was a one-off, you know, we've we've proven that we can do better than that already this season. It will sort of come, whatever. I tactically on the on the pitch, I don't think there is a whole lot to take out of a game against Man City, because we just won't play teams that play as well or the the style that they play as man city probably again this season but, but it is a it's it a great is, way it is to that learn. approach to oh yeah of it's course it's, it's the approach uh, to the game that i think will be more important how we how we react to it
0: yeah but it's also it, you're basically you're trying out your style of play against the hardest you, you'll come up against and it, against the the very best you it made it a lot of because there were issues with how united defended against arsenal and liverpool but they didn't capitalize on them, or we scored enough goals, or or we we saved our skin enough times at, at the last minute. Whereas this was a team capitalizing on on those mistakes, and it, it just makes it more obvious. Uh, so Ten Hag, I think, will have well, maybe he probably he. I mean, internally, it sounds like he's been criticizing the team even after victories because of those things. And and now it will be a chance to criticise after defeat, where you can say, "Well, look, I I told you so. You needed to fix that. You haven't. So uh, now you've got another another time to to learn." Because there there is a problem with United's defence, and this doesn't mean the back four. United, as a defensive team, are just really bad at, at following runners. And and Varane, we spoke about Varane being praised earlier in the season for his communication by Ten And Ten said that was why he was brought into the team against Liverpool for Maguire, rather than perhaps some other issues with, with passing or mobility or anything like that. Uh, and that was interesting. But even him on Sunday, the, the communication of the team wasn't good enough. And, and the press just isn't well-coordinated there at all yet. There's there's so much more to do where fullbacks aren't supporting the wingers or wingers aren't dropping back to support the fullbacks, just as one example. And I think this is where, because of the limitations in the players, uh, most notably De Gea, in, in terms of playing the ball out from the back, it's, it's very quickly, I mean, it became clear after the Liverpool game and after the Brentford game even, it's become very quickly clear that Ten Hag is not going to implement that Ajax total football style of play on the ball yet because he can't because of those limitations, but where there are fewer limitations and this is where he can impress this season is can he get United's frontline pressing well and and in a well-structured way with good communication. And that will be kind of the litmus test as well as results and, and, and other performances. The kind of on the ball quality is kind of going to have to wait for certain players as well, even though it can improve. And that it, that's still looking pretty poor at the moment and that's not that's not to say it's his fault but this is we spoke about him passing his first big kind of hiccup his first big test after Brentford Brighton this is the second one is how does he respond to this with eight games still to go in October
1: yeah I mean that, that's going to be the important thing now I think tactically against Man City there were two things I think that well two, two things that I think stood out to me the most tactically in this game before I say that, I, I also thought it was funny that every single time we play Man City, I feel like we say on this podcast, Harry, that, well, we'll probably concede from a set piece and then runners from deep. And we conceded. Yep. The second goal was it, I think, from a set piece. And then, this is what
0: I mean? If, if, it, if it had just been Haaland brilliance and De Bruyne brilliance, fine, but it, it wasn't. City weren't, yeah. City are insanely good and a couple of their goals were brilliant. But some of them were really poor. And I thought the second one was a bit unlucky because it was Ericsson marking harland and had varan not just gone off injured and been back on the pitch he would have been marking harland that's a little bit unlucky but still the communication on the pitch should then be better then there is absolutely no chance that Ericsson should be marking erling harland it is just <laughs> ridiculous and we've seen this before with united where there's a there's a little disruption to the manager's plan and the players are not good enough to show some kind of self-ownership and responsibility to sort a problem like that out. Anyway, that's a little side point. Go on.
1: <laughs> it is not as if we didn't have time to sort that out. Varan had been getting treatment for about three minutes on the pitch. Yeah. Like, they had ample time to figure that out. But the, the two tactical things that I think I noticed, one was just that in midfield, thought what Man City did really well was that Bernardo Silva pulled into that their left channel, our right back channel so often in that first half. Yeah. Especially after Dallow got that yellow card after like a minute and <laughs> a half. They were just targeting that side so much. And then McTominay, I think understandably, would follow Bernardo Silva into that channel. And he basically he ended up in the right back position so many times in the first five or six minutes. I think he was even out there in the build up to the first goal. He was in the right back position where Bernardo had drifted into. And then that and then you've got Fernandez and Ericsson basically it's just central midfielders trying to mark that, mark that area where De Bruyne is operating, which is never going to end well. I think that was one thing where we we just didn't seem well prepared for how to deal with players drifting into spaces that you might not expect, which is a hallmark of... Regardless of the fact that we we might not have known to expect specifically Bernardo Silva going specifically to the our right-back channel, the one thing you expect when you play Man City is that they're very, very fluid and players aren't going to stick to their positions. We yeah. needed to be better prepared for that. And then the other thing in defence again was we just seemed a little bit. It seemed like we didn't know what kind of defensive structure we wanted to play in. It didn't. It seemed like we weren't committed to either a high press or even a mid press or in a, a in a deep block.
0: But I think that's the every time that's the belief issue. Ternag was talking about. Yeah, I don't think he was talking about belief on the ball because we didn't get the ball very much. And I don't think confidence was the problem there. There was a couple of poor touches. There were a couple of. Bad decisions made by, for example, Anthony shot twice where he probably should have passed it. Bruno plays some ridiculous balls as he always does. One of them came off; most of them didn't. I, I don't think that was what he was talking about. I think it was about the the confidence in yourself to to be aggressive and proactive in pressing, in your positioning, in stepping into a challenge, and also having the belief in your team, the belief and trust in your teammates to back you up, which is what Liverpool were so good at did so well for, for so many years now and right now that seems to be off and I, I was watching Match the Day on catching up yesterday and Klopp and Allison after their draw against Brighton 3-0 both talked about that lack of confidence and I don't think it meant a lack of confidence in attack I think it's the it's the trust in your team if Ten Hag, we know Ten Hag system from Ajax it's and this is the same with Klopp and and, and Gouad. I mean, it's the same with most teams, but some teams like Solskjaer are more about individuals. It's so crucial that every part of the team's working to support the other one. It, it's all a big circle. It, every, everyone relates to, to another in terms of in terms of cover and responsibilities. And I don't think that belief, Ten managed to transmit that belief yet in terms of being aggressive and proactive in, in how you defend because there was many examples where Anthony would go up and press on the right wing. And yeah. Dallow would be just a, either not go at all, which we've seen plenty with United in the past, or just be a little hesitant in it. And that comes, maybe that's Dallow. Maybe it's, he doesn't believe that Varane will uh, come and cover him. Maybe Varane doesn't believe that. Whoever, it, it all comes, we can't tell who that is. It, it's hard. I could go back and rewatch a lot and maybe we'd be able to tell kind of which player it's down to. But that's not really important, actually. That 10-hour that can sort that out himself. What's important is it's clear at some point what Ten Hag wants his game plan to be is not transmitting on or did not transmit onto the pitch on Sunday. He also made some some errors himself and I don't think he reacted quickly enough and adapted the team quickly enough. I think Casemiro should have started all this, but it's clear that the keep the the foundations of his game plan were not transmitted onto the pitch by the players. And I think that's probably belief and confidence in it from the players.
1: And that, that's something that naturally will take time. But I think what you hoped was that, especially after a longer time on the training pitch than we expected, we'd have given all the cancelled games before the international break, that that might be something we would be, have improved at yeah. since the last time we saw United. But that is naturally something that will take time to bed in because it is a, it is a new way of playing for these players. And it is, of it, of all the defensive styles that you could try and, try and play with, pressing high up the pitch is the one that takes the most coordination and the most trust in all of your teammates. It's something I can remember going back to pre-season. I remember us talking about how, you know, United had looked pretty good at, at pressing much higher up the pitch at times, but the issue was often with the fullbacks not sort of being included in, in that. And I don't actually, to your point, I don't think that's necessarily, like when that happens, I don't think it's necessarily the fullback is the one at full. I think it's more just the entire whole is not working properly yet as a unit so that everyone, it needs to become like, almost like second nature that you see someone making one move and you know exactly that you should be going in tandem with that. And it, it's just something that's going to take time for this United team. And it's about kind of similar to what we've talked about on the ball with Ten Hag. At what point does he try and become this playing out from the back and sort of playing more like he did at Ajax on the ball. And he's sort of been a bit more pragmatic than that in the last sort of month or so. How, how do we? How, how do we go with that off the ball as well? At, at some point, I think that Ten Hag will want to make this United team a side that is going to press really high up the pitch and will be that really well, well drilled, really cohesive unit that will be able to know where they should be given what other players are doing. But mm. until we get to that point, how pragmatic is Ten Hag going to be in making us maybe press a little bit deeper or maybe not have much of a press at all and sit deep? I, I thought that was just the thing that was missing against Man City. It was it was a little bit of nothing of everything rather than just going all in on one way of playing. Are we going to just sit deep as yeah. we have done at other games against City? And it's not great to watch, but it, it can be effective, but it all—it didn't seem like it's we the committed only way. to that.
0: You, you you cannot beat City at their own game.
1: No. Well, and it also, watching the game, also it just showed again the value of having a goalkeeper that you can trust and rely on with the ball at their feet. Because yeah. the couple of times we did manage to put a decent press against, on against Man City, they're, they're effective. If, it's like they're playing with an extra man on the pitch because of Edison. And as, as soon as you try yeah. and then close him down, he's so good at playing those balls. If he's got, I, I can't even count the number of situations in this game and just in City games in general where Edison will have a player sort of shutting him down from either side and he just plays a pass straight through the middle into midfield and then sit here away.
0: Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Actually, quite a lot of the game, we weren't pressing him. We were kind of setting up in a. Uh, there'd be three players: Rashford, Sancho, and Anthony would sit on the defenders. But because there's no they're kind of they're not that much point pressing Edison because he'll get himself out of it. And instead, we sat there, so I, I didn't mind that. But then Edison's just so good that he can. We've spoken about this with the hair. The Gea hasn't got that. They can do long passes quite quite well, actually. What he can't do is that medium distance one. Backs, yeah. To Either very high up fullback, or to a winger who's dropped deep, or to the to the centre mid who's gone wide, or something like that. Whereas Edison, well, and, it, and it was it was also lot lot that even time. when we
1: did get in, because you're, you're right, we did get in some decent positions there where we, we sort of let Edison have the ball and sort of said, all right, then just l- let's see what you can do. But the problem again is just that we're not good at tracking runners. Yeah. And Man City so have very good movement. So uh, e- even if you manage to get Edison maybe stuck for five seconds or so, you then don't track runners properly and, and they can play through yeah. us.
0: It was like, it's like watching a nature program. It all goes in slow-mo. It's like the inevitable every time. Every time you watch a nature program, you know the lion's going to eventually get like the springbok or, or whether it's <laughs> in the sea or... Safari or whatever, and you know every time that City are going to do that to United, and and then you see kind of the flapping around trying to escape. Where like that, f- the before they even went one and up, the chance where yeah, but blocked one, De Gea, De Gea saved made one, a save, and then yeah. yeah, it was like the, that's kind of the flapping around. The, the 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 Sharks like got the seal in his mouth and he's waving him around, and that's United kind of just flapping trying to, and they we got free, and then you, eventually you, you're bleeding, and then. Uh, you're suffering and then finally the the, the kill comes in. It was um, pretty brutal. Yeah, it often is a good city. Um, Any positives? I think m- apart from uh, there's An- Anthony and Martial. I should have said that the other way around <laughs> to avoid confusion. Martial and Anthony. Um, but also I think there's some obvious changes to make, which is also helpful. Yeah,
1: Ma- Martial, I think was the biggest bright spot when he came on. I, th- I mean, we, we said before the game that he was the kind of striker that would suit this match. And I think we've already seen if he can be at his best, he still has a lot to offer this United, this United team just because of the style that he plays. I think it benefits so many of our other players having Martial in that role. Anthony, I thought, I've got to say, I've been a bit disappointed so far with Anthony's general play. I thought, I thought he was going to be more direct and a bit more. I don't know. what It's not. It's not just pace. It, I just thought everything he does seems a little bit slow. But in the second half, he did grow into the game, and you saw with the finish and his finish against Arsenal that there is a that, yeah, there is a lot of talent in there, and he, the way he can strike a ball, we need to make better use of that. I just think, think in some so. games, I'd actually really like to see. As much as I, I really lo- like Sancho. I think he's played really well this season. I'd like to see us line up with Anthony and Rashford out wide because I think. Sometimes when we play Sancho and Anthony, especially in games like this against City, where we don't see much of the ball, I just think sometimes having both of them on either wing it can stop us from being able to stretch the game as much because they're, neither of them are wingers that are really going to go past their man on the outside. They're much more want to come inside and sort of link the play better with whoever's playing at striker. So yeah, I think I'm intrigued, especially in a bigger game, to see Anthony and Rashford on either side with either Martial or Ronaldo up. Yes, front.
0: to be fair, that's what I thought he'd start, and I've. I think he should I, if Martial I mean Martial's fit enough to come on so I think Martial should have started that game because uh, the two things United really lacked were were Casemiro and Martial effectively in that Ericsson is not designed for that role and was guilty of not following his runner too many times not doing the professional foul when he needed to for the fourth goal I think it was um, and the, the folding goals a couple of times Ericsson just didn't follow his, his man and then obviously he was beaten at the corner but that's not his fault Casimir in, in kind of pretty much all six goals would would have been better would he have stopped them that's impossible it's a hypothetical who you can say but I think he would have suited that a lot better and that's what um, Michael Plant was saying and we spoke about it a bit in our preview as well that it seems weird to drop Eriksen having done so well but Casimir probably would have been a, a lot better suited to that and then Martial yeah we just didn't have someone to hold the ball up but yeah I like the fact the amazing penalty actually brilliantly taken uh, yeah
1: that really was
0: Maguire Euros shootout-esque I also thought his his other goal following the shot from Fred was really positive and putting his head in where he could get hurt which is something he's often been criticised for uh, by Oleg and Solskjaer several times publicly so so that was good the Anthony Fred,
1: goal.
0: Fred, go, on. So yeah, go, go Go on. I was in the go I was just going to say the team Anthony goal. We spoke about quality, but when was the last time a player that isn't Ronaldo scored something like that just out of nothing? Yeah, true. Because there's, there's been great Bruno goals, but I don't know. I'm thinking the Everton one where he kind of did the, the Beckham esque uh, kind of curling away from the goal, but somehow got into the far left corner, top corner. But that's not the same kind of just whip and bang. I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Rashford would have done a couple of them. Uh, but I can't picture any right now. It, it was just really satisfying.
1: And he, he, I mean, he, even Rashford, so most of his goals are in that kind of ilk are a, a while ago now. He hasn't really scored many of them in recent hmm. years or re- not recent years in the last year or 18 yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I, I wanted to mention is just, I've been, I've been a bit confused, I guess this season about Fred's role as well, because I, I honestly, I really thought he would have a bigger role to play in this, in this Ten Hag team, it, especially given that we've only played with McTominay in that sort of holding midfielder. I thought we'd see a bit more of Fred and I thought thought he was thought he did okay when he came on and I, I'd just be interested to see a bit more of him. I know that he got played as a sort of a number 10 in the Europa League a, a few weeks ago, which is a bit odd, but just someone that I thought would have a bigger role than he has done. I think ov- obviously his role has kind of been taken by Ericsson. And I don't think Ten Hag sees him as a number six, which is fair enough. I don't think we see him as that either. But yeah. just someone that I thought would have a much bigger role than he has so far this season. And especially against a team like City, we've seen in the past how effective Fred can be just for for lack of a more sophisticated analysis, just because he, he just runs around a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, let's let's wrap up talking about City. Uh, a, a tough afternoon, but in the end, the, the two goals did really help. A lot, and a three. I, was, I mean, a three goal defeat was pretty kind on on how the game went. To be fair,
1: at but least yeah. it didn't end six one. We've had enough. Of a, those exactly. Score lines. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was saying. I was watching with some non United fans. Actually, were saying. I'd I'd rather lose seven two than six one. Yeah. And they were like, why? I was like, just it's literally just the scoreline. I just don't don't want to have that again. So so that was good. Okay, let's have a quick youth and women's roundup. It was a tale of 6 1s against Blackburn. As I said, the under 18s were 6 1 winners. Goals from James Nolan, two from Manny Norkett, one from Adam Berry, and Ethan Williams and Maxi Ordidelli. A great win for them uh, and a morale boost in one after a couple of less, a couple of much tighter games. The under 21s, 6 1 losers. Sora Sorotira getting the only goal when it was already 3 0. he's, He's an interesting case. United looked for lone moves. I think one fell through very late on. Um, As for the 21s, it's that is a disappointing result. There's there's no doubt about that. It was 5-1 at half-time and that's really poor. Uh, and that's about defensive focus rather than quality, I think. And, and, and there will be, <laughs> I'm sure there will be some stern words after that. You shouldn't be losing 6-1. They are a young team uh, and, and that comes into it. it. This happened last season. United won, lost um, 6-1 to Chelsea and 6-1 to West Ham, I think, and then improved a lot after that. And that has to be the case again. It, it's, a, it's about learning from those games. United women drew 1-1 with Aston Villa in the Conti Cup at the weekend. Villa then won 4-3 on penalties. This is a group stages, so United aren't out. It's the, the tournament has a shootout at the end of every group stage game that ends in a draw. So the winner gets two points instead of one. It's an interesting idea, whether you like it or not. Anyway, United lost, uh, lost 4-3 on penalties, but get one point in that. Uh, and the United women go into an international break. The next game is the middle of October. In low news, the standout performer of the weekend was midfielder Ethan Galbraith, who was named man of the match for a commanding midfield performance for Salford City at home to Grimsby Town in a 1-1 draw. Loads of reds in action in the championship. Ethan Laird played the full 90 for QPR in a 2-1-away win at Bristol City. Two United players came up against each other, Alvaro Fernandez and Ahmad. Fernandez for Preston North End at Sunderland, where Ahmad was playing. Fernandez played the full 90 minutes in a 0-0 draw, keeping a clean sheet. Ahmad came on for the final half an hour couldn't make the the desired impact. Hannibal also played as a second-half substitute, him for Birmingham City. They had a 1-1 draw against Sheffield United at Bramwell Lane. Soon after Hannibal came on in the 65th minute, Birmingham levelled uh, just six minutes after he came on and it was the ex-Red recently departed in summer teeth Chong who assisted Troy Deeney's equaliser. Charlie Wellens came off the bench for Oldham in a 2-1 defeat against Wrexham. He played 21 minutes for the National League team Matekova, the goalkeeper, is in action in the Czech Republic in his homeland for Sparta Prague. He played the full 90 again as a first-choice keeper in a 2-1 win, uh, despite his team being reduced to 10 men early on. OK, Jack's had a run-off due to work commitments, so it's just me to conclude the show as we look ahead to Thursday's game against Omonia Nicosia. Uh, Thursday night, five forty-five PM UK time. The early kickoff, two hours ahead in Cyprus, so it'll be seven forty-five PM local time in Nicosia, which is the capital of the island. It's a really interesting away trip, this and really exciting one. I'm out. off on Tuesday evening and uh, just been reminded. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten and you know, almost out of disbelief that it could be so hot in October that it's going to be about thirty degrees there uh, for the the couple of days that United fans are in Nicosia. Uh, it's going to be a, a properly good turnout of of United supporters. So about six hundred of us who went to Moldova, and that was kind of a, a mixture of lots of English Reds and lots of Mancunian Reds, but also lots of Europeans. Um, so I spoke to Reds from Ukraine, Poland, uh, the Netherlands, Norway, which you always get on European trips. But I think when it's slightly further afield, harder to get to from the UK, sometimes it's a bit easier from uh, from within the European continent itself. Uh, so probably a, a bigger portion of them. This time there will be a lot of English United fans travelling because Cyprus is known, for its wonderful beaches, brilliant weather and brilliant food and everything and, and great culture, but also but <laughs> also in many circumstances uh, for, for party places like Ayanape, so there'll be plenty of United fans going maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday and then staying for the weekend and enjoying themselves. In Cyprus, uh, the team that we're playing on Mania from Nicosia, which is the capital of Cyprus, um, it's it's one of the few kind of uh, Cypriot towns, at least on the on the Greek half, uh, which is the southern half of the island, without a beach. So it, it's very different. It, it's you you don't fly if you go into the Greek side. You don't fly to Nicosia. Instead, you fly to Larnaca, which is on the beach, or Paphos, which is uh, a bit further further away. Um, but it's a, a really interesting place, Nicosia, and the club's interesting as well. Uh, Nicosia is Europe's last divided capital. There's the United Nations buffer zone in the middle. Uh, you can expect soldiers there and elsewhere, uh, but it's a very safe place. It's been divided since 1974. Omenia from the Greek southern side of the island and of Nicosia. The northern side of Nicosia and of Cyprus is Turkish-claimed. But yeah, Nicosia is different. No beach. Uh, there are good ones close by. Uh, and because of that, it's not particularly well visited, especially the Turkish side, but it's an old city with with really good food and drink, like especially good, I've been told from my, my Cypriot friends, coffee, halloumi, stuffed vine leaves and, and good kebabs, which you might expect. And yeah, uh, 30 degrees in October, it's one of the best times to visit apparently. So it'll be fascinating. And also loads of different kind of architecture. So have, having been a part of the Venetian, Ottoman and British empires, there's loads of different things to see. Uh, But the club are really interesting as well, Omania. I'll talk a little bit about how how the fact that United—I mean, United—have got to win this game. Uh, the, The win in Moldova made things a little bit more comfortable, but having lost the Real Sociedad at home. Uh, we, we we should really be winning this one and, and make things a bit more comfortable to ourselves. It was a long trip to Moldova. Ten Hag still took a very strong squad. I expect he'll do similar again, but the difference is Moldova, we'd had our game before cancelled and eventually had our game after postponed as well. This one will be will be slightly different and maybe a, a bit more rotation this time from Ten Hag, given the, the madness of October and the rotation that's going to be necessary. So I'm sure he'll be looking for some fringe players to impress in this one. Against Omania, who are... Uh, uh, one of Cyprus's, probably Cyprus's biggest and, and most popular club, uh, they had a bit of a decline in, in United fashion post-2010. Um, and then a few years ago in, in May 2018, they were taken, they they had previously been fan owned. They were taken over in, in May 2018 by an American-based Cypriot businessman. And at that point, much like in Iceland in 2005 with the Glazers, uh, they are so, very left wing socialist ultras group, Gate Nine, who had been, uh, supported the team since, well, had been formed since 1992, ended their support of the team and instead founded a new club, the People's Athletic Club, Ammonia 29M, two months later. They now compete in the second division. I found this, uh, especially ironic given that Ammonia means unity in, in Greek. Omnia managed by Neil Lennon. Uh, that name will be familiar to most of you. The former manager of Celtic, most notably. He took over in March 2022. They had been managed before that. His predecessor was United's trouble winning defender, Henning Berg. He won the title there in 2021, but then had a, a terrible few months. And so it was replaced by Lennon, who won the Cypriot Cup, got a position in the Europa League playoffs, and they beat Ghent 4-0 on aggregate in the playoffs uh, to come through into the group stages. As a club, they've been since their kind of resurgence since 2018, funded by the, the new businessmen and the lack of fan ownership. They've been in and out of European football. Uh, they were in the Europa League groups last season. They finished bottom in a, in a group of PSV, uh, Panathinaikos and, and Granada and. Sorry, that was two years ago and last year they lost in the playoffs uh, to Royal Antwerp on penalties and played in the conference instead where they were in a group with Basel, Karabag and Karat and finished third. United have been to Cyprus before, never played a Cypriot team. This will be the first time or first competitive match against the Cypriot side. But we did play in this stadium, in the GSP Stadium um, in 2002. Uh, October 2002 uh, we couldn't play in Israel because of various reasons. so played Maccabi Haifa and United fans who went there remember it as one of their well most memorable most enjoyable trips so I'm very much looking forward uh to going to Cyprus fly on Tuesday evening I know we've got quite a few Cypriot listeners uh, the number of United fans in Cyprus is amazing and I love it uh, and I know we have a few Cypriot listeners there so any recommendations for Larnaca, where I'll be flying to or for Nicosia the capital and where the game will be held uh would be very very gratefully received that would be would be excellent from some of our Cypriot Reds and Cypriot listeners and if you're going to be out there just drop me a line on Twitter uh and we can meet up for a beer uh otherwise uh I've, there's not too much to say about the game itself you just hope we win and and hope we can rest a few players and that is the the very nature of the Europa League um so I won't dwell on that too much um but yeah We'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you for your support. If you're enjoying the show, please uh, take the time to leave us a review on on whatever podcast that you listen to. It really helps us. Uh, Or if you've just got any feedback, any suggestions, uh, let us know either by tweeting or direct messaging or whatever whatever form you like suggestions features we could include things we could talk about people we could talk to then we'd love to hear them for Jack's thoughts throughout the week on, on the game we'll be speaking to you on Friday morning he'll be hosting I'll be sending a couple of clips from Cyprus um, he's on Twitter at UTD Tate that's T-A-I-T I'm on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pot that's P-O-D at the end there and you can go to our Twitter it's find out i also become a patron uh, of the podcast uh, and get the bonus Q&A's at the end of every Tuesday morning show as the patrons are about to do so so patrons will speak more in a second everyone else thank you very much for listening thank you for your support have a great week goodbye Podcast Network.